Hello and welcome to the podcast for Ray Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckman, Senior Pastor, and I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We have reopened our sanctuary and would love to have you join us in person at 410 Blake Street in Ray, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1045, if you feel comfortable to do so. We would also invite you to join us live on Facebook, YouTube, or our website if that's a better fit for you at this time. Please visit our website at raynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information regarding our services. It is my prayer that you experience the presence of God during your time with us, whether in person or online. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. This week's message is entitled Missing Out. It's a section out of Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 9 where Nehemiah gives a simple one-sentence prayer that actually is very profound in what God wants to do in and through us while we are working through the issues that sometimes face us throughout each day. I pray that you are blessed as you listen to this message this week. Well, this morning, um, my message that I entitled is entitled Missing Out. And um, I shared with a couple of you this morning, I had a direction early in the week that I was going and was studying and was preparing. And here on Friday evening and Saturday, uh, God changed that. So this is either going to be a train wreck, (laughs) but I'm praying that, that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, that you would be able to hear what you need to hear today as, as we spend time together, uh, The text that we're going to be in is actually in Nehemiah, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6, and I want to read verses 1 through 9. I won't have sermon slides for you this morning. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. i got to get in the right book here. I was going to read from Numbers. That's not the same. Would you stand with me, if you're able, as we read from God's word this morning? Nehemiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Jeshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why would the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have been appointed and even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us confer together. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Fathers, we spend this time together with you. 
Would our hearts be open to what you want to say and do? Would it be your words today? And I pray that they would be clear in the understanding that you intend us to have. I ask these things, God, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Sanballat and Tobiah were desperate. The work of rebuilding this wall was almost complete. This was the third time around for this to try to happen. And they were facing intense, um, intense obstructions against what the, what the work was that they were trying to accomplish. Their efforts to stop its construction were failing with all the efforts that Sanballat and Tobiah were doing. They tried a new approach sending their attacks on Nehemiah's character. They attacked him personally with rumors. If you read in uh, chapter 6, verse 6, they were attacking him with deceit here in verses 10 through 13 and with false reports as you read further down in verses 17. And this passage, this is kind of, it's not obscure, but it's not one that, that I found myself reading a whole lot in. Um. But I was drawn to the last part of this passage that we read today, which is verse 9. Where Nehemiah prayed, now strengthen my hands. When opposition builds up against the work that you are trying to do, the work that God has called you to do, it's, it's tempting, and I found myself praying this a lot, God, get me out of this situation. Anybody else relate to that? God, whatever I'm going through, would you, would you get me out of this? But Nehemiah prayed something different. He prayed, strengthen my hands. He was determined in the work that God had called him to do, to carry it out to completion. His character was to remain steadfast in his responsibility. And he prayed, God, Strengthen my hands. That last verse has been ringing in my heart this last week. I've prayed with, with many over these last several days. I've talked with, with several. And maybe that's where I kind of feel this heavy heart today. Um, We tend to, to grow weary in what we face and what we are dealing with. It's easy for us to become discouraged. It's easy for us to even kind of say, you know, kind of roll with what's happening and just, I just got to get through it, was one phrase I heard this week. And, and while that's true, there's sometimes in the midst of what we're facing, sometimes we do just have to, to get through it. But I think here... The prayer of, of Nehemiah, just this one-sentence prayer, is something a little more profound and something that we need to think about a little bit more. I have been praying that God would get us out of the situation we're in for many months, dealing with COVID, dealing with the restrictions, dealing with all of this stuff is wearisome. And I've prayed many times that God would get us out of this Situation that God would relent, that God would, would do some things to, to improve 
what we're dealing with. But I think sometimes that those prayers come from a place where we desire to be released from the discomfort of our situation, right? We like it when things are comfortable, when things are easy. I think sometimes that prayer comes from a place where we're trying to escape the pain of what we're going through. We don't like pain, right? We don't like discomfort. That prayer, too, comes from a place where sometimes we're discouraged, where sometimes we're, we are angry, where we're confused about what God is doing and what's going on. And then I wrote this, and I'm wrestling with this part. Does that prayer come from a place of selfishness? I'm coming to realize that in these moments, there's something significant that God wants to accomplish. While Sir Minister Lloyd George had to deal with World War I, an economic depression, and the Sinn Fine movement attempting to affect Irish liberation, as well as many other smaller problems. Amidst all the chaos and troubles, George was asked how he kept up good spirits. He responded by saying, well, I find that a change of nuisance is as good as a vacation. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes in the midst of what we're going through, um, having a, a little bit of a distraction or a diversion can help the situation. But it seems like 2020, the year 2020, has not been quite that. It's been one thing on top of another, on top of another, on top of yet another. And it's easy in the midst of all of that to feel this discouraged, to feel angry, to feel lost in what's happening. One of the things that I noticed as part of at least what I felt like God was saying in my heart in response to Nehemiah's prayer is that sometimes when we're praying that prayer of God, get me out of this situation, that we're missing out on opportunities to grow. And I've heard the saying many times, I think my dad has said it, my grandpa's probably said it, that um, adversity builds character. And, and that's true, and... But that doesn't help, right? When we're dealing with what we're dealing, it's not, it's not that, I, oh, great, I get to build more character. That's not the joy that comes from me when somebody says that to me. But I think, too, that we are missing out on opportunities to grow when we're asking for God to remove us from that situation. In Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, Paul addresses this a little bit, and I want to read this to you. And I got my paper clip in the wrong place. It's kind of a... Romans chapter 5, first five verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through the faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. 
when we are looking to just try to get through whatever we're dealing with, our situations, circumstances, and if we're just trying to, to focus just on trying to get to the other side of it, I think sometimes we're missing out on what God is wanting to do in the process of all of that. And one of those is an opportunity to grow. And it's easy for us to look past it. It's easy for us to want to move beyond it because sometimes growth means pain. Sometimes growth means loss. Sometimes growth means inconvenience. Sometimes growth means frustration. It brings all of these things sometimes. And so our human natures want to, to move beyond that. We want to get beyond those things. We want to move beyond that and get to the good stuff, right? Just like at a potluck. I go to the, if you guys have watched me, I go to the dessert table first because that's where the good stuff is. And then I'll go to the green beans and everything else. But I don't want to miss the good stuff. And sometimes as we navigate what we're going through, we're just wanting to, to bypass all the hard to get to the good. And I think we're missing opportunities for God to do something significant in our lives when we do that. The second thing I noticed is that we are missing out on what God is doing in the process. So God's not only at work in our hearts and lives, but in the hearts and lives of those around us during our situation. Oftentimes, others are in a process of experiencing God as well. So God is doing more than just what we are aware of in our situation. Several years back, when I had my construction company, it was almost Christmas time, and and things were busy, and, and things were kind of chaotic, and um, I had several different jobs going on, and, and so I went into to the shop early um, and pulled around to the back of the shop like I always do, and, you know, I go to park my pickup behind my trailer, but my trailer wasn't there, and I thought, maybe I left it at a job site or something like that, you know, I got to think, I didn't think so, you know. So I get out of the pickup and um, park next to the door of the shop, and there's this big boot print right on the door. And the door was kind of open a little bit. And right then I knew what had happened. Somebody had, in the middle of the night, backed up to that trailer, which I had locks on it, on the tongue and everything. Uh, they had backed up to it, somehow hooked it up to their truck and, and hauled it off. And in the meantime, They'd also kicked open the door to my shop, and so I expected to find an empty shop. And there were many things missing, but they didn't get everything. And, and right in that moment, I just was like, God, why? You know, going into Christmas and, and, and all of this. Um, so I make a phone call to the police department, and, and they send somebody over and they get my statement and things like that. And my next phone call was to my insurance company. And, well, I wasn't covered for that. Um, I did not have that as a part of the coverage of my policy. So I was literally out of business right then. So this feeling of, of dread and feeling of, of lost in that moment of all of a sudden thinking, like, how am I going to do these jobs that I have before me? How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to replace all these things that, that I lost? And as 
the police officer was there. The sheriff had called and had found a trailer that matched the description of what I'd lost. And so they gave me the address, and I go out there, and it was several miles out of town. It was hidden behind some farmer's haystack. And so I arrive, and yeah, sure enough, that's my trailer. And they had parked it there so they could work on all the locks, and they'd cut and opened up my trailer to, they emptied it out. So it was a little bit of an improvement, but still just a great sense of loss. Um, and I don't know if you watch the cop shows on TV when they're dusting for fingerprints and all of that type of stuff. They just do that to try and make you feel better because there was nothing that they could do. There was no evidence that they could find, nothing that was really going to find who had stolen all of this from me. So in that moment, just really feeling this great sense of loss and discouragement, frustration and anger and all of that, um, wondering what God was going to do, because that, that was my prayer. God, I don't know what's going to happen, but you've got to do something. Over the next few days, some pretty miraculous things began to happen. I had a, a gentleman from, um, from the church show up to my shop, and, and he hands me an envelope. And I was like, no, I can't, I can't take that from you. And he's like, no, I want to give this to you, and, and I, I want to, to do this. And I just, you know, tried to keep, no, thank you, I appreciate that, but... And he said something to me that really, that God used to convict me. He said, you're robbing me of an opportunity to be a blessing to you and to be obedient to God. And that hurt. My pride was in the way of allowing somebody else to be obedient to what God was doing in their life. And so what we are going through, the situations that we face and dealing with, we have people that God uses to come alongside. And God's doing things in their hearts and lives to make them more like Jesus. And the process of getting me, and through this process, of becoming more like him as well. And so when we are praying that prayer of God, get me out of this situation, we're missing out on what God is doing in the process. The third thing that I want to point out to you, in the midst of going through those things and of those times, praying that prayer of God, take me out of the situation, is we're also missing out on his presence. Eugene Peterson writes, suffering is not evidence of God's absence, but of God's presence. And it is in our experience of being broken that God does his surest and most characteristic salvation work. There is a way to accept, embrace, and deal with suffering that results in a better life, not a worse one, and more of the experience of God, not less. God is working out his salvation in our lives the way he has always worked it out, at the place of brokenness, at the cross of Jesus, and at the very place where we take up our cross. I love that. Many times, and I've identified with that, that I feel like what, what I'm going through, these situations, this, all of this, this pain, is God removing himself from my life. 
but I've missed it. He's actually more present in those times than in any others. And sometimes we're focused on the wrong things. We're focused on, on ourselves. We're focused on what we're losing or what's happened to us that we miss God's very presence in our lives. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss his presence. I don't want to miss what he's doing in the middle of everything that, that you are going through, that I'm going through. Throughout scripture, God proves himself faithful and he proves himself to where he promises his presence for us. This morning, I don't know what all of you are going through, dealing with, facing, struggling with. But I do know that God promises to be present. This morning, I, I just, I love, I love Nehemiah's prayer. Strengthen my hands. I was reminded too of a passage in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul writes this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's the other part of this. When we're going through what we're going through, the temptation is to give up. If we're not praying that prayer of God, get me out of this, Sometimes we're on the verge of throwing in the towel. And I get it. And I think the Lord gets it too. Do not become weary. God, strengthen my hands. I've been told that when a cow is getting ready to give birth, the calf innately senses her departure from the nice warm womb to a cold, scary, unknown world. And in response, this calf will, will try and, and resist. Without the resistance, you guys can tell me this if I'm wrong, without that resistance, there's the understanding that that's probably a stillborn calf. Relating to our world of, of death, going along is also a sign of death. Living fish swim against the stream. Only the dead go with the flow. So whatever you're facing today, Whatever's happening in your life, whatever God is doing in your heart, don't give up. Ask God to strengthen your hands. He has work for you to do. He's doing work in your life in the middle of whatever you're dealing with. He's got a purpose and a plan for it. And it's not coming from a place of to make you frustrated or angry, but it's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of grace. He loves us enough not to leave us where we are, but he compels us to grow. He compels us to move. He's compelling you for something more.
These are hard prayers in the midst of pain and difficulty. Maybe it's an act of bravery today for you to pray these prayers. An act of allowing your heart to be realigned with his, for his purposes to be worked out in you. To allow these opportunities to grow, to be a part of what God is doing in the process, and to allow his presence to just be there today. I want to pray for you. As a a praise team works their way up, as we sing our last song together, would you pray with me? Father, it's hard to pray this prayer sometimes. It's, it's hard to pray a prayer of submission. But God, would you help us to do that today? Lord, you have proven yourself faithful time and time again in so many ways. Why would you quit now? So Father, in the process of what each of us are wrestling with and dealing with, God, would you strengthen our hands? Would you give us the resolve to not give up, to not become weary in doing what you've called us to do? But remember that at the right time, there will be a harvest because of our willingness to participate in what you're doing. So Father, would you be with each one of us today? Would you draw close? Would you help us not to miss out on what you're doing? That we would be willing participants. You are good. You are good. You give us the gifts we need. And we thank you. And we praise you in the midst of the pain, the the heartache, the frustration, the anger, whatever it is today, we praise you in the middle of all of that. You are good. Thank you for your love for us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me and receive this benediction this morning? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.